Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. And this is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma. Welcome in, Puma. <laughs> How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. We had a, a decent weekend of a super wild card weekend. Really, there was only like one, two decent games. Everything else was just a blowout, but... You know, hey, I'm, I'm here for all the football I could take. It's playoff time. Uh, we got some awesome game previews coming your way. And uh, we're going to do a, a little bit of a, a deep dive on, on Jay's team, the New England Patriots. But, um, I mean, Jay, what, what, what were your thoughts on Super Wild Card Weekend? And, what, and did you also watch the Nickelodeon feed or not? Because I did, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I, I switched over for like five seconds, and I, I'm okay with half of the Nickelodeon production because I love the graphics. I love SpongeBob. I used to watch it growing up. I love when like the, the field goal kick is uh, is in progress. His face is very stern. It's like, is he gonna make it? Is he not gonna make it? And the second the uh, the ball goes through the uprights, SpongeBob's face changes to like a like a happy SpongeBob. I love that, but I can't take the commentating. Like the commentating for me. Like I listened to it for like ten seconds, and when I logged, when I you know switched over, the uh, the young person I forget what her name is. She was talking about how, you know, the the big offensive linemen are like big trucks and they need more fuel, but the smaller players are like sports cars and they need less fuel. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is this? Like I, I can't listen to a game like this. I'm gonna kill myself. It's only been like 30 seconds since I've been over here, and and I, I just for me like the production of it was fine. Just the the, the analysis from the. The folks speaking, I just, I just didn't have a fun time with that, and I get it. I totally understand that. Obviously, it's made for kids, um, but uh, obviously, for, it's not made for me. Yeah, well, I, I it was funny. I, uh, I when I came home from work because I was watching a little bit of the Nickelodeon feed while I was at work, and I came home and uh, I walk in the house, and my wife Tara, she's, uh, she's in there uh, in the in the kitchen, and our living room's right off of uh, right off the kitchen. But long story short, I walk in, I'm like, hun. Don't judge if you see like SpongeBob on the field. I am watching the Nickelodeon feed because I just want to see somebody get slimed. And <laughs> dude, I, you know, like you said, I, I get it with like the kids and whatnot. Like some of the commentating was pretty flat, but like I didn't realize I an Eagles kid um, was doing like color commentating. And I knew Nate Burleson was doing, mm-hmm. like, the play-by-play. But, like, overall, I thought it was a decent product. If I was, you know, a kid just trying to get into football, this is a great avenue to understand it and to, to get a little bit, you know, get your toe in the water kind of deal. But um, I, I just thought it was hilarious at the end of the game when they did, like, the credit roll. They showed, like, Mike McCarthy's face, like, essentially, like, with oh, you know that. clown stuff yeah, and like fumes that. coming out yeah. i was like this is the perfect <laughs> encapsulation of this game <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah speaking of uh, young fans uh, taking on the, the you know getting to the game of football my little nephew zane i gotta give him a shout out uh, he finally picked an nfl team um, oh what are we working with you know is he following I'm... auntie is he a raider fan or what well, I've uh, I'm very proud of what's happened this year. Um, you know, you helped me in this endeavor with getting my little sister Aisha up and running with the Raiders. Uh, she's finally into it. She's she was like not happy at all when the Raiders lost on Saturday. Like I was telling her, she's gone the full gamut of like you know fandom in the NFL where. You had the head coach get fired. You made the playoffs. Now you think you got screwed over by a ref call. She was like cursing the refs for a good twenty four hours, you know. Uh, but she's she's all into it. But.
but now my little my little nephew, he's like seven or eight now, where he's getting to a point uh, where he wants to watch some football with us as well. I mean, my brother watches, so he wants to hang out with us. And, you know, for a while there, he would jump around with teams for the past like five weeks. Um, he's, he's young, so he doesn't quite understand it. So he, the first thing we taught him was when you look below the team, you'll see a 10 and an eight. The 10 means that's how many wins they've gone. The eight means that's how many losses they have. So, you know, just going off the Patriots record, 10 wins, eight losses. And that's the only metric he uses. So anytime a team has a good record, he's like a fan of that team this oh week. Oh my right? God. <laughs> so for a while there, he was a Patriots fan because they won seven in a row, right? Seven in a row, right? Uh, and then after that, he became a little bit of a, uh, what was it? Was it a Bengals fan? Um, and then a Cardinals fan for a little bit because they were hot in the beginning of the year. But now finally, he's settled on the Packers. And when I say settled, like we had a conversation with him. We sat him down. We're like, listen, we understand you've done this a few times now, but we need you to make a decision here, okay? <laughs> make a decision. <laughs> It's like, it's like a like a final round of a game show. You need to make your make a decision or you're fired. I love it. So like, he he settled on the Packers. He settled on the Packers, and the reason why we sent him made that decision because we actually my brother actually bought him a jersey. Right, he actually went out there, spent money, and now he was wearing that jersey all week long. He's super excited about the game on Saturday. Uh, he's actually going to be coming over, so we'll be watching it together. Um, but it's one of those things where he constantly was slipping back and forth, and we're like, listen. You've got to pick a team and stick with it, all right? Think long and hard. You don't have to make de- you don't have to make the decision right now. You can make the decision in the offseason. You can get introduced to the game right now. Next year, you have a full season. You can pick a team then. But once you make your decision, you can't be switching back and forth, okay? Um, and he, <laughs> he, he, for some reason, decided the Packers were his team. Um, and I think we'll see how long he rides it out with it, you know? Right. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. <laughs> now, if he, if they somehow lose against the 49ers on uh, Sunday evening, uh, Saturday, Saturday night, I think he might become a 49er fan. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, right. But if it happens, we won't judge. We won't tell him how to be a fan. We'll just let it be. We won't judge. <laughs> As the way it should be. As the way it should be. Um, but speaking of Super Wild Card Weekend... Unfortunately, my New England Patriots uh, suffered a devastating defeat at the hands of the Buffalo Bills, the final score being 47-17. And we were discussing this offline. I jokingly threw out a final score of 52-10 to uh, for a prediction for the game last week when we were discussing this offline. And somehow it was very close to being the final score. <laughs> I mean, you're a field goal and an extra point or two away by Tyler Bass to hitting that. Jay Stradamus, yeah. that yeah. would have that would have totally happened. Well, well, you know, obviously, you know, all joking aside, it was a pretty devastating loss for the Patriots. Um, I've been watching the Patriots for uh, twenty two years now. You know, um, I was ten years old when I started watching the Patriots, and I've never seen such an embarrassing loss, um, especially on the defensive end for the Patriots. Uh, I've thought about this for the last couple of days. I don't understand how it got this bad. But it's something where I wanted to start the podcast off with, with you, Puma, and kind of get some of your ideas on, you know, what happened with the Patriots. We know they played the Buffalo Bills about three weeks ago. And three weeks ago, we thought at that point, you know, the final score was like 33-18, I believe, or something like that range. But at that point, the Bills had a really good offensive output. I mean, on that day, the the New England Patriots weren't able to stop them at all. They didn't force a punt at all. They didn't have a turnover, none of that. And we thought that was as bad as it gets for a Patriots team. However, we did not know in the Super Wild Card round, it would be much, much worse. This is the first time. I mean, they, I, I, I'm convinced 
with this beatdown and just how efficient the Bills' offense offense was, I'm convinced the NFL made up a stat because they talked about the the perfect offensive game. I've never heard of this stat before, but now Same. it's apparently a thing. You know, they had seven drives, they scored seven touchdowns, zero turnovers, zero kicks, zero uh, field goals. Um, and I'm just sitting here the last couple of days just reeling over what happened. Um, but I want to turn over to you real quick, get your impressions. And, and the main the main crux of what I want to discuss in this in this segment is, you know, Bill Belichick and his defensive prowess, right? We all think he's a genius on defense. We all think he would never let the offensive performance that Josh Allen had three weeks ago repeat itself. And now it's happened back-to-back, you know, games against one quarterback where, you know, he basically let Josh Allen do whatever he wanted. And this isn't no hyperbole. And we talked a little bit about offline you know Belichick has never been dismantled this bad by a quarterback um, in multiple games he, he's played some of the he's he's defended against some of the greatest in the NFL he's defended against Peyton Manning for a while there Patrick Mahomes Big Ben in his heyday with the Steelers obviously um, you know Tom Brady uh, against the Buccaneers earlier this year but I've never seen him be this befuddled by a quarterback so I wanted to turn over to you and you know kick around the idea of has Bill Belichick lost his fastball? You know, is the game sort of passing him by with just how horrendous these performances were against Josh Allen? Right. I, I think, uh, Jay, I think it's a fair criticism. I mean, we can go back to earlier than the, in the year where they, they, the New England Patriots were off to a slow start. You know, someone can make an argument that the refs helped the Dolphins win the first game, whatever. But the Saints game, they got emasculated and you started to hear calls about you know has bill lost the fastball it seems like maybe he took over the defense from that stretch they went on a seven game winning streak and then they hit the bye week and i'm not one that's buying into oh they just you know they, they were pissed because the bye week fell where it did on you know in the schedule my personal thought is the new england patriots and jay correct me if i'm wrong are one of the older teams on the defensive side of the football if I'm like a veteran player or my average age on defense is on the older side, I would be happy to have a bye week in the you know the back end of the season, especially if I'm making a playoff push, when I know I'm not going to be fighting for that number one seed really. I'll get that bye week, get revved up to go into playoffs, and hopefully get a run going from there. And they just came out flat. And, you know, the defense, the defensive side of the football, like I said, they're on the older side. They're 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 not really that athletic. Like they're not dropping into coverage. They're not really mobile, like a Patrick Queen type of linebacker, or Devin White, or even like a Devin Bush in Pittsburgh type of deal. They're almost like a throwback to the 1980s style linebacker, where if you're, you know, under six foot, Bill Belichick doesn't want anything to do with you. And I, I think there needs to be a change in the defensive philosophy for the New England Patriots because they, Jay, they got deep pants twice by Buffalo in the span of a month. And not even that, dude. Like, they, we, you can make an argument that they backed into the playoffs. Like, they lost three out of the last four. I'm not really counting Jacksonville because it's the Jags. But they, they just they looked flat. Some guys looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, the coaching staff is a mess, and it, it probably doesn't help that all that all of uh, Bill Belichick's kids are on the coaching staff at this point. Like, I don't know what what Steve Belichick does besides make faces and look like a madman, right? But like, 
who's actually calling the defense? Is it is it Bill? Is it Gerard Mayo? So, is it Steve? Like, there's just so much influx. Like, why don't you actually set somebody to be the defensive coordinator, like you know, a normal NFL franchise? Uh, because all I've heard is people were tuning him out. Mm-hmm. And I asked this on Twitter today. If people were tuning out the coaching staff, then why is this coaching staff still here? Well, listen, you make a great point because, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves, one of my <sighs> biggest pet peeves of Bill Belichick and the narrative surrounding him because this is what some of the local prominent Boston reporters have said over this last year. The Patriots started out 2-4. and four. They looked absolutely horrendous. And at the end of 2-4, and four, when they lost to the Dallas Cowboys, Bill Belichick took the reins and responsibility of the defense back from Steve Belichick. Apparently for the six, uh, the first six games of the year, uh, Steve Belichick was the defensive coordinator. Fine. So he takes the rein back, and then for the next seven weeks, uh, looks like, uh, well, for the next, I would say, seven or eight weeks, looks like Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator. Everything seems to be humming. And then after that first Bills game, where the Patriots went up to Buffalo and won in a tornado, What's being reported now is that apparently uh, Bill Belichick was happy where the defense was, so he pushed the reins back onto Steve Belichick. And then from there on out, they were one and four. Ultimately, the defense looks like a disaster. And I'm here to say I don't buy it one bit. I'm sorry, I do not buy that bull- that BS excuse one bit. Because that is my biggest problem with Belichick is he always somehow it's not his fault. He's the, he has the the best luck of all time where whenever everything is going well, it's it's because of Bill Belichick's genius. But the second it doesn't go well, it, it becomes somebody else's mistake. Oh, well, there's no possible way that Bill Belichick could get deep pants by Josh Allen two times in a span of three, four weeks, right? There's no possible way that can happen. But in reality, you know, I, I do believe it, it really was Belichick taking the reins from Belichick, from Steve Belichick, his son, after two and four loss, and basically just riding it out. And unfortunately, down the stretch, everything caught up to them. We've been we've been saying this for the past three or four years about Bill Belichick and his defenses. They're slow. Um, they're old school with bigger linebackers. They don't believe in side to side mobility when it comes to linebackers or their defensive players. And Another factor of this is the young players they've drafted, Uche, Vinovich, who was obviously inactive on Saturday, um, Parkins, a guy they took out of um, Oklahoma this year. You know, obviously, Barmore had some production, but it seems like some of those younger guys aren't panning out. And, and this is right back to where we were a year ago where, you know, we had conversations about Bill Belichick to be able to draft properly. His defense didn't look that good. Overall, his team didn't look that good. And... You know, we're two years removed from Tom Brady leaving, and, and I don't know if we're in a better spot than we were last year. Sure, we might have found a quarterback. I don't think he's the quarterback. I think he's just a guy. I think we found a guy for the next three or four or five years, maybe. I get that. That's a positive. And we've won two more games than last year. We're, 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 two, more, we're two games above 500 now. But are we actually making any strides? Are we any closer to winning the Super Bowl? And that's a question I want to ask you. Do you think this year... The Patriots are any closer to win the AFC East, or are they, or has the talent, you know, gap widened even more between the Bills and the Patriots? Right. I mean, I think last year we were more competitive than we were this year against the Bills. I mean, I'll do you one better, Jay. Are they even better than the Dolphins right now? No, they're not. They're four. You know what I'm saying? Like four and two. The last Dolphins are four and two against the Patriots the last six games. The Bills are four and one against the Patriots the last five games. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I get it. The Dolphins missed the playoffs, but they went on that run down the stretch. They swept New England uh, this season. But, I mean, 
talent-wise, I think the Dolphins are slightly better on both sides of the football talent-wise, um, even with Tua Tungavailoa at quarterback. But it's just, you know, when when you have a quarterback with a pop-gun arm that has a tendency to underthrow, thing, un- underthrow the football, particular, particularly to the outside of the wide receiver, and it's just a lame duck coming down, um, that's not going to help anything. And if your quarterback is turning the football over and your defense is too old and or has checked out of the coaching staff, where does that leave you? That, that Honestly, that doesn't make you any better than the New York Jets, in my opinion. Um, so something there has to be a philosophical change. And especially when, and Jay, we talked about this offline, and I'm going to bring this around to the totality of free agency, right? So everybody, when free agency hit, you got the signings of Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, who hit the tight ends, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, which Hunter Henry hit Johnny Smith, leaves something to desire to desired. Um, you have uh, Jalen Mills, the human gas can back there. Uh, but free agency, everybody's lauding Bill Belichick and how he nailed free agency and it's going to be the revenge tour type of deal. And then you listen to Boston Radio today and everybody is saying, particularly on the offensive side of the football now, that Bill didn't surround the quarterback with any skilled position players again. Uh, he hung Mac Jones out to dry. I'm not, I don't want to hear that. Like mm-hmm. you said it yourself in the podcast earlier this year that. Um, Bob Kraft had to go into his escrow fund to free up cash to, to in order to sign these free agents. Like, if you're Bob Kraft looking at this, and then you look in the NFC and you see the guy that you let walk out the building because the old man wanted him out, going to the divisional round again and possibly another NFC championship game, depending on how it shakes out with the Rams, and you look at the roster that you have now, yeah, I'm going to be pissed. I think, you know, I think you're going to see some of Bill's, you know, powers be curtailed. And at that point, Jay, if say you're the New York Giants and maybe Mara or Tish calls Bob Kraft and says, hey, if I offer you our first rounders this year, because they have a couple of first rounders in the draft this year and maybe one future first or second rounder for Bill Belichick, are you going to turn that down? Well, uh, I think at this point you have to because I I get it where you're coming from with that angle, right? I understand that if we had Tom Brady, then it would be no issue. You just let Belichick walk and we'll fix it. We'll have Josh McDaniels or Flores or somebody come in and fix it. We'll be okay. The problem is, and this is why I think the game is passing Belichick by, is I think his whole philosophy on winning in the NFL doesn't work in today's NFL. It's so archaic. It's he wants to win with good defense and running the ball. That formula helps you win seven in a row in in the regular season against bad competition. That formula does not bridge the gap in the playoffs between Josh Allen and Mac Jones. You understand me? Like no amount of coaching by Belichick or scheming or genius or running attack by Bill Belichick was going to be able to slow down that offense this past Saturday against the Buffalo Bills. And that's my bigger point is I think Belichick, he'll never do this because he'll never want to admit defeat, especially with what happened with Brady. I mean, the fact that he pushed him out the back door and now this is two years in a row Tom Brady is performing better in, in an NFL season and going farther in the playoffs, right? So that's obviously two seasons now that Belichick looks stupid. But if he was a man that was thinking rationally, he would consider moving Mac Jones. 
All this, and we all know this, this is a quarterback-driven league. You protect your quarterback, you must have a good quarterback, and you must have defensive players that can get to the quarterback. That's If you want to boil the game of football down to its core, that's what it is in today's modern day. And if he was smart enough, he'd realize very early on, the guy that I have, sure, he'll improve next year. I'm not saying Mac Jones won't be better. But he's not going to be that much better that he's going to be able to go, you know, throw for throw against Josh Allen. I mean, that was just Josh Allen and, and Stephon Diggs. What is Patrick Mahomes, Kelsey, and Tyreek going to do to you? You feel me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, o- overall, just just I'm, I'm not happy with where things are. And, and I want to ask you one more question before we move off of this. Like, you know, I want to look at Bill Belichick in the last two years and what he's done, what he's accomplished. Because, you know, he pushed Tom Brady out the back door because he was hell-bent on proving to the world he can win by himself, right? We don't have to rehash all of this, but there's plenty of quotes out there, Ian O'Connor being the prominent one, you know, essentially having a quote from the locker room and the coaching staff saying, it was a Patriot way that made Brady and the coaching staff uh, coaching staff felt that they could, you know, find any above-average quarterback that they could plug in there and essentially win a Super Bowl. While they got an average quarterback this year, by every metric that is out there, PFF, quarterback rating, QBR, Mac Jones falls somewhere between 13 and 14 or 15, so somewhere in the middle. So he has his average quarterback. Do we think uh, Bill Belichick is any closer to winning a Super Bowl? And at the moment, I don't think so. I, I think he's getting no, further I, away. I don't think it's, I don't think it's I think close either. I think he's getting further away. And I think, and this is obviously something we'll discuss next year, I think next year is going to be worse than this year because now we've got to strip the defense down to his studs. We've got old players like McCourty, Hightower, Collins, all these players. J.C. Jackson's probably going to walk. They probably won't franchise that game. You're going to have to strip this defense down to his studs and you're going to have to rebuild. And when you're doing that with a noodle arm quarterback in Mac Jones, dude, it is going to be bad. Like We, we might be looking at 7-10 and 10 again or 7-9 and nine next year. No doubt, no doubt, and I'm with you too. And I, I honestly think they they are they move back a step or two from the uh, the Super Bowl you know finish line. And, and you know I, I heard a couple of people bring this up, like Deshaun Watson. I think Nick Casario uh, had a, a presser today, and mm-hmm. they talked about the future of Deshaun. And he he basically I'm paraphrasing here, but it sounded like Deshaun is going to be moved in the off season, probably before free agency, definitely before the draft, uh, with with all these picks and whatnot. Like, let's just say the Dolphins are still a suitor for Deshaun Watson. Like, then what are you going to do? Like, you know what I mean? Like, now you're facing Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, and you have an average average quarterback, not even really, like, average league-wide. I guess a fair comp might be, like, let's be honest, is comparing him to Teddy Bridgewater, like that far, like a bridge too far. I think like, I honestly a much better arm than him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's that that far of a bridge to cross. Um, wh- what are you going to do then? Like, well, if Russell Wilson becomes available, like you're telling me you're not going to pick up the phone and call John Snyder out in Seattle. If Aaron Rodgers is actually on the market, you're telling me you're not going to make an inquiry to Brian Gutekunst out in Green Bay to see what it would take to to get you know Aaron Rodgers in a coop because I honestly think Rodgers is going to Denver, but there's always a chance for a last minute deal. You got to be man the phones because he Bill's what he's going to be seventy. He's not going to re, he's not going to live through another rebuild like he wants to win now one more time before he finally hangs up the the homeless hoodie. Like you're gonna uh, have to make a splash. Well, I think I think you hit it straight on the head, Puma, mm-hmm. uh, with his age and the fact that the, the rebuild part of this. I think most people don't understand this was never a rebuild. Th- I mean, with how old he is, rebuilds take time. I mean, like 
it's going to take three to four years to rebuild the defense through the draft. I mean, it took him from 09 to 14 when he finally built a good enough defense to get back to the Super Bowl, right? Um, so I, I think what this year was, this year was a let's just retool. Let's just throw a bunch of money into the free agency pool just because we've been horrendous drafting players for the last five years. And we'll just pick a quarterback with obviously a lower ceiling um, than, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. We'll just take the guy most pro-ready because we want to win now. And, and and I think that's truly the plan. And if that is the, the, the real plan, then they failed miserably. Seriously, they, mm-hmm. they failed miserably. You spent $160 million worth of Kraft's money and you got seven more wins out of it. I'm sorry, three more wins out of it um, over last year, seven and nine. And you've got just basically annihilated off the face of the earth in, in the worst, most embarrassing loss in Patriots history. And if I'm Robert Kraft, that's a hard pill to swallow this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. All right, let's, let's move on to the next topic. And another coach that's having a little bit of a tough time down in the Big D. If you guys didn't watch, the 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys on Super Wild Card Sunday. Final score being 23-17. Um, the Niners went up early. The Cowboys made a late run back in the fourth quarter. The Niners almost gave them the, 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 the game away. But basically, everybody's been talking about the last second execution of the Dallas Cowboys where they decided to run a quarterback draw with about 14, 15 seconds left on the game clock. And they ran the draw instead of throwing a Hail Mary into the end zone. And the game basically ended on a collision with, with the referee, blah, 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 blah. But the main point of that conversation that we want to talk about today, Puma, is... Should Mike McCarthy be brought back for another year? And, you know, obviously Jerry Jones' kid went on uh, radio in Dallas and said he will be, but the question we're asking is, is that the right decision to bring Mike McCarthy back? No, no. Jerry Jones should throw him off his friggin' yacht. You know, like get like the pirate, like walk the plank type of deal. You get that yacht out in Galveston Bay. You take it out in the middle of the, uh, <laughs> the you know, the Gulf of Mexico. You blindfold him. You tell him to walk 10 paces, and then he falls off the boat, and you go back to port. No. Well, I was hoping you would do a Jerry Jones impersonation there. Nah, you know, you know, <laughs> Jer- Jerry, Jerry comes out after the, after the game and says, all right, you know, we're – we're slightly, we're, we're very disappointed. This team is loaded. We're supposed to make a deep playoff run, blah, blah, blah. And then his, you know, kiddo, whatever his name is, Steve. Steve or Yeah. You know, have you noticed the trend? It's all the Steves. Mm-hmm. It's the Steves. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Stevie, Stevie Jones goes out and says that BS. Honestly, Jay, no. He shouldn't have even been retained this year. Like, it was so bad last year. There was no signs of progress. And I get it. Week four, your quarter, your franchise quarterback breaks his leg in horrendous fashion. But you have a veteran quarterback who, in my opinion, was probably someone the New England Patriots should have targeted over Cam Newton in uh, the Red Rifle, uh, you know, uh, Andy Dalton. And it just it looked like the team wasn't prepared. You look this year and they, um, you know, they they had a, a flashy start. They they dominated on the NFC East. But I mean, really, Jay, like besides the Bucks cowboys game, can you really like point your finger to like a standout performance? You know, you know what I mean? No, I like, can't. Just, You're right. You know, like just nothing really clicked. Like nothing was impressive. Nothing was flashy outside of the NFC East competition. Dak hit, hit a, a wall of some sort. He, he got into a funk. Zeke Elliott hurt his knee. But it's, it's just... The, the game plan, the game calling, Kellen Moore went from like super aggressive to really conservative. And then you, you look at the reports, 
that that quarterback draw apparently was like they were on a nuclear submarine where they're repeating orders until it was finally <laughs> done. Kellen Moore calls to Mike McCarthy, hey, let's do a quarterback draw down the middle of the field. Mike McCarthy says, oh, okay, yeah, let's do that. And he calls in a Dak Prescott's headset and says, yeah, let's do this. Like, you're t- there's just so many different hands in, in one pie. If Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator, let Kellen Moore call the offense. And unless there's a play call coming through your headset that you hear that is just so asinine and egregious that you got to chime in and say, hey, Kellen, let's think about this. Just keep your mouth shut, roll, fold your arms on the sideline, and let Kellen Moore do his thing. But there's just so many moving pieces. This coaching staff... It definitely needs to be an overhaul. I think Dan Quinn's going to be out. I think he might be a head coaching. Uh, he might find a job as a head coach. Kellen Moore, I think he might be out as well too. But my, man, Mike McCarthy is just a bozo deluxe, and the fact that he conned Jerry Jones into this position because he said he's an analytics guy, when in reality he spent a weekend at Pro Football Focus, is freaking comical. <laughs> it is high watermark Dallas Cowboy, you know, ineptitude for twenty five years. Well, I, I will say this: that um, the Cowboys definitely know how to put on a show. If anything else, they might not win a lot of football games, but they put on a hell of a show. And the Kellen Moore bit, dude. If that is your call in that situation, then what are every you doing? single interview that he walks into, the first question I'm asking him is, "Why did you make that call?" Like, explain to me seriously. Like, before this interview goes any further, and if I'm an owner sitting across, if I'm an owner sitting across from Kellen Moore. And I don't like the answer he gave me. I'm not taking a second question from him. I'm just moving on. Because because that is an egregious call. That is such a low percentage, you know, bad decision in a, in a high, highly critical situation in a playoff game. But getting back to Mike McCarthy, man. You know, I've, I've been thinking about the last couple of days. And I've been thinking about, you know, should you move on from Mike McCarthy for the Dallas Cowboys? And initially, the absolute first thing you say is absolutely yes, you know, because of his bad time management and, you know, mismanagement of games in general and just some of the stuff you hear coming out of Dallas. But I sat back for another day and a half and thought about Jerry Jones, the person making this decision. I believe back in the 80s or 90s, he would have made this decision, but I don't think he will now because, and this is something that Jerry Jones thinks about quite a bit and talks about quite a bit as well, is Jerry Jones' mortality. Right, I mean, the guy's 79, 80 years old. Um, he wants nothing more on this planet than to hold up another Lombardi trophy before he passes away. And I'm not trying to be morbid here. This is something that Jerry Jones talks about quite occasionally on his radio shows. He talks about his mortality quite a bit. And if a man is talking about it that much, it lets me into a psyche a little bit, right? And I think he probably looked at Mike McCarthy on Sunday night and thought about firing him, but he probably also thought... Well, if I do let him go, then we've got, you know, two years wasted here. Now we've got to bring in a new guy. And even if it is Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn that comes on up, you know, that's still going to take some adjustment. I think with where Jerry Jones is in life right now, I think with, you know, you see it throughout his decision making. You know, I, th- I thought that his co- his money that he gave to, to Ezekiel Elliott was also a big, you know, factor in this or with the money he gave to Dak Prescott. You know, a lot of this is just him trying to buy another championship before the guy expires. You know, he's, he, he's doing whatever he possibly can to hold that Lombardi. And I think McCarthy got away with one here because he has basically Jerry over father time here. This is true. But it's just like, you, you know, you look at the, the excuses coming after the game and they're trying to put it on the ref that like bowled over, 
Dak Prescott. You want to know why he bowled him over, Jay? Because by rule, the umpire has Mm -hmm. to touch the ball and spot it. It's not the center's job to do that. And the fact that these players didn't even know the simple rules Mm -hmm. of like what to do in a hurry-up situation, less than 30 seconds, game on the line, and you got to clock the football... Like you're gonna put that on the refs when you guys were just simply unprepared. That 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 is a horrible, horrible failure by the coaching staff. And I'll even rewind it further in the game. You have that awesome special teams play where they do the fake punt and they get the first down. And nobody had the wherewithal to get rid of the the, the punting football to trade mm-hmm. it in for the the actual yep, game ball so you guys can move forward. And you take a delay game and it's a five yard penalty and you end up punting. Like what like why burn that play if you're just not even going to be prepared enough and you move back five more yards and then the, the wheels fell off the bus at that point and Kyle Shanahan let him back into the game. And I'm going to get to that later on in this podcast with Kyle, mm-hmm. but it's just a horrendous failure, not just this playoff game, not just this season, but in the totality of his tenure as the Dallas Cowboy head coach. Well, let's, let's play this forward then. Let's say they move on from him. You know, who are they even going to get right now, right? I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, this candidate's out there. Maybe if you can pry away Jim Harbaugh, I would make that move. I mean, obviously, he's the one guy that should trump all these candidates right now. Uh, but do you want Flores in, in your building? No, not really. Uh, do you want to nice too big of a personality for Jerry, especially with some of the reports that came out? <laughs> Honestly, Jay, just because of looking at Jerry Jones's track record, I mean, we can go back to the Clapper, Jason Garrett, and Wade Phillips, right? Like Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator for Wade. Uh, Jason Garrett was going to leave at one point. Uh, Jerry Jones made him the highest paid offensive coordinator in league history. Wade gets canned. Uh, Jason Garrett takes over and he's the head coach for north of a decade. Like if honestly, I think that would be the next move is if they did move on from Mike McCarthy, they're going to promote Kellen Moore from within because Jerry doesn't want him to leave the building either like Jason Garrett. So that would probably be uh, Jerry Jones's move. And honestly, you know how much of the, the offensive struggles were, you know, constrained by Mike McCarthy. If it's almost like a nuclear submarine, Jay, you know this, you love subs. Like every mm-hmm. every command mm-hmm. is repeated down ahoy, there ahoy. until the until the order is executed. If if Kellen Moore has to go through 50 different channels to get the offensive call in to to Dak Prescott, like how much of that is a hindrance on the offense? Yeah, no, listen, I mean I, I think I think that's that's a good point and the one thing that's Concerning for the Cowboys is I do think Dan Quinn is a this is the fucked up part about this whole thing is Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore it seems like are way more important to those operations right and you can mm-hmm. just like pluck McCarthy out of it and you know I think they'd be fine next year I think if Dan Quinn leaves however I think that is a massive issue I mean he's got this defense dialed in right and I know they've got their issues I know they you know sometimes Diggs gives up a bunch of yards and sometimes they crap the bed but for the most part this better defense than what is it was last light year. years better than what it used to be right so I think what you can't do is you cannot let Dan Quinn leave and I think he probably will be leaving I mean he's got like four interviews lined up there's a good chance he'll be gone probably within the next three or four days so if I'm Jerry man I'm looking at this and I and you you know with him and who he is and where he wants to go uh you've got to have somebody ready for that defensive coordinator job as well right behind dan quinn mm-hmm. so 
So we'll we'll update you guys on all those moves in the next couple of weeks. But now we've got to turn it over to my favorite time of the year, Puma. It's divisional wild card. I'm sorry, divisional weekend in the NFL playoffs. Um, wild card weekend. Usually, I you know I love it. There isn't many big upsets. Sure, you'll have one or two big ones every ten years or so. But right now, when you weed out all the the bad teams, is when divisional round starts, and I cannot wait for this weekend, Puma. It's great. There's a lot. There's a lot of different storylines. Whether it's you know Derek Henry, King Henry returning to what are the 49ers going to be looking like, given some of the injury issues. To can Josh Allen replicate what he did down the stretch and what he did to Bill Belichick last week? Dude, there's there's so much going on. So let's let's dive into yeah, this. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And you and you mentioned that with King Henry. Let's start with the 11 and seven Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Um, the number one seed, the Titans being off last week. A lot of storylines to keep an eye on out here, right? Obviously, King Henry will be making a return. He was back at practice today. What's his workload going to look like? Um, you know, Joe Burrow has been playing lights out. Is he going to continue his stellar play? Um, you know, I'll, let me turn it over to you first and get your initial impression of who's going to win. And then we'll talk about some storylines. Yeah, so real quick, initial impression. I'm going to go with the Bengals, man. Like, they're three-and-a-half-point dog on the road going down to Nissan Stadium in Tennessee. But it, it just seems like everyone's buying into Joey B. Um, the real question mark, in my you know opinion, is Trey Hendrickson. I believe he left the game against the Raiders with a concussion. Um, Okajobi, a defensive lineman, he, uh, he left the game. I think he actually might miss this with an ankle injury. So, like, a couple of key guys... Uh, that are going to be, uh, you know, a huge factor in stopping King Henry from running uh, up for the Tennessee Titans are, are going to be, you know, possibly missing this game. But otherwise, I think this is going to be a, a very competitive game. The over-unders at 47. I kind of like the over in this game. But uh, give me the Bengals getting three and a half points to uh, to, uh, to cover and to definitely win outright. I, I, I'm buying into Joey B. I don't know what your take is with Skyline Chili and Joe Burrow and what the what the what the region out there is feeling about the pride and joy of Athens, Ohio. But I'm I'm rolling with Joey B and the Bengals, bro. They're loving them some uh, Cincinnati Bengals football out here, man. Um, I was driving on the south end of Columbus the other day, and obviously south end Columbus is only about an hour and a half outside of Cincinnati. And I'm starting to see billboards pop up. I'm starting to see, you know, Bengals billboard pops up. I saw them last week. They're advertising tickets. That you can come down and buy some, hang out in Cincinnati for a day, watch the game. But Jungle Fever is big in Ohio right now. And I'm right there with you, Puma. I got the Bengals winning this game. I'm sorry. I think Joe Burrow is just an animal, man. He is so damn good. He is uh, He's playing at a, at a very, very high level right now. And, you know, we. I was thinking about this, you know, before the podcast started. I think right now, if I had to rate it, it's probably Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, probably Allen, Joe Burrow. I mean, that that's the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. He's already cracked that elite status. And I think this weekend, you know, I've always had this idea that a great quarterback can be the equalizer in a in a in a matchup. And you'll see this weekend, if it all plays out the way we think it will, you'll see a really good Titans team. You know, they, they've been injured. They, you know, they have some issues with depth. But they're getting some people back and they're starting to get healthier. You'll start to see Derrick Henry get back in the fold. You'll see, you know, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Hill start to produce a little better because Derrick Henry's back. You'll see A.J. Brown out there. You'll see a better roster in the Titans, but I think the Bengals are going to win this game just because Joe Burrow is the equalizer, right? He's the guy that can elevate 
um, the rest of the team and basically make it a fair fight. And that's why I'm going to roll with the Joe Burrow and the Bengals in this game, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to make, like, this unfair comparison, but, like, I, I feel like, you know, the, the team is buying into Joe Burrow's moxie. And, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of people I talk to, you know, a couple of people in the office and, and you know, out and about – uh, and the general public, like listening to people, some people are put off by Joe Burrow's like, you know, moxie as of late. They're saying it's coming off as too cocky. What I'm saying, I honestly have no problem with it because mm-hmm. like this team for the, the Bengals have needed this shot for so long, the shot of cockiness and arrogance and whatnot. And, you know, hey, I'm going to walk in here. You can't zero blitz me type of deal. Like that one time Joe Burrow was mic'd up for Thursday Night Football. I thought it was great. And the team definitely bought into this dude. And I, I think this is this is what they need. And like you say, Jay, like like personalities like that, like, you know, like you see like Tom Brady on the sidelines, like personalities and competitiveness like that can elevate the players around you. Like they may be average, but you have somebody that is – barking at them like this or talking them up like this yeah you're gonna raise that bar raise that you know that standard it's almost like in space jam where freaking bugs bunny writes on the water bottle mj secret stuff and it's really just water you know what i mean like everyone's just buying into that type of moxie and i'm all here for it well i you know i i say this all the time i I think a quarterback's confidence and personality is essentially what the team will morph into. We always talk about the body language of quarterbacks on the sideline. I've been hard on Mac Jones, you know, this year because I feel like he's a weaker leader. He's mentally not there. I don't think he's very confident. And that rubs off on your team. You're starting to see the Bengals morph into Joe Burrow's Burrow's identity, right? Um, And you need that, like you said, Puma, because that franchise has been such a loser franchise for so long for 31 years they have not won a playoff game think about that i was one year old when they had their last playoff win until recently so i think you know a quote that always sticks in the back of my mind was early in the season they were talking to joe burrow in an interview i think it was like a local guy or something talking about hey well you know how are you going to help the Bengals? you know get to the next level you know for the past 31 years they've lost and you know they haven't won a playoff game and he was like can you please stop right there that doesn't matter anymore like i'm here now we think differently in a locker room and the history doesn't have to do anything with us we're a different team than what those past teams were and, and yes a lot of people can see that as cocky but that's what you need to help invigorate a, a loser franchise in a sense right mm-hmm. so. no for sure because if you're just gonna buy into that and you're just gonna have like you know, like, I hate to say this, like, timid leaders like a Matt Jones, right? Or if you look at, like, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was never, like, the rah-rah dude. Like, he won a Super Bowl with, all right, stellar play down the stretch, awesome defense. He conned the the Ravens into giving him that massive contract. Like, but, like, you know, smoking Jay Cutler. Like, uh-huh. I love Jay so Cutler's, passive. like, personality. But, like, I honestly don't think anyone was really willing to run through a brick wall with with which with, with uh, Jay Cutler when he was essentially just looking out for himself, right? He mm-hmm. never really was a rah rah dude. He didn't really play hurt. My lasting image of of uh, Cutler as a Chicago Bear is during the playoff game. He's just pedaling on that bike to nowhere, and he never went back into the game. Whereas Joe, you know Joe Burrow, you're gonna have to pry him off of the turf in order to get him off the field, and everybody's buying into that. The fan base is buying into that. You know, you you have Zach Taylor who 
going into the season a lot of people had as possibly being on the hot seat, wins the playoff game, kind of becoming like a man of the people type of deal. Like this is to me, like not just a cocky quarterback that everyone's buying into, but this is like one of those blue collar football teams right now where like the whole community's buying in awesome video of Zach Taylor going to like local bars, giving them Mm -hmm. game balls and having speeches and whatnot. Like the entire town of Cincinnati at Jay, you got boots on the ground over there. Like you said, everyone's buying into jungle fever. Like as an outsider, you know, the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire transplant living in Connecticut, I would be ready to run through a brick wall for Joe Burrow. If I was in that stadium on game day. So I'm, I'm all here for it. All those, all those people that are chiming about him not being, you know, he, him being too cocky, I'm just going to say, okay, Boomer, go back to sleep. Go take a nap. <laughs> and then the last, the last thing I want to discuss before we move off this is Jamar Chase, right? I want to know, you know, what the game plan is going to be for the Titans going in. You know, are they going to double him? Are they going to bracket him? Obviously, if you double him, you leave Tyler, you know, Boyd and Higgins wide open. They have so many weapons on the Cincinnati offense that it makes it hard to, um, to you know, double somebody. But they've got to go into this game plan with the Titans secondary to somehow slow down Jamar Chase. I don't think you can do that one-on-one against, uh, who is it, Kevin Byard or Janoris Jenkins or, you know, Caleb Farley. I haven't kept a tab on that kid much this year, but I don't know if he's producing well because he's a rookie. But, you know, if I'm the Titans, I'm, I'm putting my work in this week. I'm, you know, bringing my lunch pill. It's going to be a dogfight with Jamar Chase because he's, mm-hmm. the, he's that kind of electric receiver where... You give him a 70-yard in-cut, he can take a 70 yards for a touchdown. So whoever it is covering him, you better come to play. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. It. Oh, man, I'm all here for it. 4.30, I'm not doing shit on Saturday. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. It's, it's going to be It's four really good games this weekend, man. I can't, I can't wait for that. Um, all right, let's move on to the 49ers taking on the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be your Saturday night game. Um, there's a lot of storylines in, in this uh, game as well you want to hit on. But right off the bat, Puma, let me just get your initial take on who you think is going to win this game. I mean, prior to recording and right after the, the Cowboy game on Sunday, I would have said, all right, give me the 49ers getting points on the road against Green Bay. You know, you look at Green Bay uh, Packer history, you know, the, the last time these guys played, the 49ers just ran all over them in the playoffs uh, two years ago. And then it's been kind of a trend uh, where the 49ers are just able to run all over the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, then you get some some insight and in news coming out that Jimmy G may miss this game because he had a sprained shoulder and some other issues going on coming out of the Dallas game. Looks like he has a very high probability of missing this game. And if it's the Trey Lance show, I mean, the, the, the point spread jumped from 49ers plus three to 49ers plus six in the span of about what what would you say jay like six hours today we're recording on a tuesday uh january 18th um the point spread jumped that much with the possibility of jimmy g missing so with that news i'm gonna go with the packers winning not to cut you off here but like let's just assume with how soft of uh, a pussy Jimmy G is, he's oh. probably not going to be out there. Let's be 100. Let, let, let's be 100, dog. Where's the lie, though? The guy, he will not play through injuries. I mean, he, he was already having issues getting on the field with a torn ligament in his hand. Now he has a shoulder sprain in his throwing shoulder. Dude, I will I will bet everything I have on Trey Lance rolling out there on a Saturday night just because Jimmy G 
won't play won't play through a broken fucking nail. All right, <laughs> go continue. Well, Start to jump in there. Well, with, with that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the wood with the Packers right now. It's the biggest spread out on the board. It's at you know minus six, depending on what book you're looking at. We're we're using the DraftKings sportsbook here. Um, I'm gonna go with the Packers laying six. Uh, especially with some of the injuries like Fred Warner might miss um, because of it. I think it was an ankle injury down the stretch. Nick Bosa had a really scary looking injury. I think he somehow he only walked away with a con- He walked away with a concussion, but that's no guarantee he's going to be back. Um, the secondary for the 49ers can be exposed. I think this is going to be a heavy dose of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers going through the air. And given the history between these two teams, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers tries to run the score up a little bit. So I'm going to lay the wood. I'm laying the six points with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, Puma, listen, same here, man. Uh, before, when this game ended, like you said, against the Cowboys, and we started looking forward to next week, I had this hunch that I was going to lean towards the 49ers just because I think Kyle Shanahan, yes, you know, obviously has issues, and we'll get to him here in a second, but I think he is a, a smart enough football coach to put together a really good game plan <laughs> to slow down, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers. And if you look at some of the numbers, and I don't have them in front of me here, but I was looking at them before the show, you know, essentially Aaron Rodgers plays really, really good in the regular season, but he has a little bit of a drop-off in the uh, in the playoffs. I mean, he'll throw a little bit more picks. Um, he kind of comes a little unglued. He becomes a little unsure of himself. We all saw that against the Buccaneers in the championship game last year where he was very hesitant. But, you know, I had this feeling that the 49ers with Jimmy G would be able to go in there and win. However, uh, the news that came out today with, you know, the fact that there's a good chance he won't play, to me, that screaming, there's no way he's getting on the field. The man is as soft as they come. I've seen Charmin tissue that is more, uh, more. <laughs> I've seen Charmin tissue that's tougher than Jimmy G, and that man will not be out there on the field on Saturday night. I mean, yes, he wins when he's on the field. However, most of the time he's not. So, with that being said, Trey Lance, can he go up to Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers? I just don't think he can do that. I mean, even if Joey Bosa is healthy and causing havoc on on Aaron Rodgers and Warner's there and everything looks good, and let's say the Packers come out with some rust, you know, they they take a quarter and a half to get into it, it's just not going to be enough with a rookie quarterback going into Lambeau to beat Aaron Rodgers. I think it's unfair to ask him to do that. So with that being said, given the Packers, um, if somehow, if, you know, the moon and the sun and the, the galaxy align and Jimmy G does play on Saturday night, and he's, you know, he's healthy enough to play, then I think there's a good chance the 49ers could pull this uh, pull this game off. But let's move on to Kyle Shanahan because you have some thoughts oh, on Kyle Shanahan, on. don't you? This guy, this guy, and, you know, I'm, I'm on record. You can go back into the annals of, uh, you know, the Pro Football Radio podcast, specifically the, the podcast we did after the Super Bowl, right, Jay? This is back mm-hmm. in the day when we're recording in the, the loft in the garage. And we had a oh, pretty... No, this, was, this, was pretty back, this was back in the dining room table of your of your old house. Yeah, we had a pretty heated debate about Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan and whatnot. And, um, you know, I'm, what, what I'm was the, the debate again? Of, I forget. It was, um, it was the play calling down the stretch mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl when they played the Chiefs mm-hmm. when... I was saying all Kyle had to do was run the football. Time was on his side, just milk the clock, and he kept trying to force feed the football with with Jimmy Garoppolo throwing. And you look at you look at that, and then you look at the the twenty eight to three Super Bowl when he was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. And you know another instance of run the football three times, kick the field goal, you, you you're essentially guaranteed a win at that point. 
And he kept trying to throw the football. Matt Ryan got sacked. The rest is history. They're out of field goal range. Biggest comeback in, in NFL Super Bowl history, NFL history, period. Uh, but th- then you look at the the 49ers Dallas game, right? 49ers are up, they're up big. Dallas Cowboy fans are calling the suicide hotline, trying to talk themselves off of jumping off of Jerry World AT&T Stadium. And they're still trying to throw the football. They're still throwing the football. Jimmy Garoppolo throws a back-breaking interception, puts points on the board. Now the momentum swings towards Dallas. And honestly, Jay, watching that game on the Nickelodeon feed uh, with, uh, with my wife, Tara, I'm looking, and you just see the play calling and the players, and they were just one, one play away from like a full-blown Chernobyl meltdown. And like that meltdown would have happened if it was a screen, it was like a, a bubble screen pass almost to, uh, to George Kittle. And George, it, it hits it hits the ground, but like in quick, you know, live game action, an argument could have been made. Hey, it looked like a fumble. Dallas would have recovered. I think they would have housed the football. It came back. It was ruled incomplete. Thank God. But if that if that was a touchdown, if they brought that that back, Dallas did and put points on the board. Um, that would have been full blown Chernobyl meltdown. And honestly, Jay, like Kyle Shanahan, really should be sending a thank you note to Mike McCarthy for being like, Hey, thanks for like taking the heat for me. Because if uh, you guys won this game, I would have been the laughing stock of the NFL at this point for pissing away such a massive lead against the Dallas Cowboys on the road. And Dallas was a a, a home favorite. Um, So it's just a lot of questionable play calling. An argument could be made that, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, great offensive genius, great play caller and game manager in the regular season, but he turtles up when the big lights are on in the playoffs. And I'm I'm just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of riding the the Kyle Shanahan uh, you know emotional roller coaster. I wonder how our boy Mikey P Hammer Time, aka Frisco, is also feeling as a 49er fan. Because if uh if I was him, I probably would have been calling the you know the 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 suicide hotline too. But I'm just I'm I'm out on Kyle Shanahan. Well, I, I wonder what his uh, his need is to make some of these mistakes down the stretch because you you know cataloged it very well against the Super Bowl against the 49ers you know the 28 to three Super Bowl the you know game the playoff game this past weekend he feels the need to show everybody he's the smartest guy in the room you feel me mm-hmm. for him it seems like winning just isn't enough. He seems like he's the kind of guy that where he needs, you know, the credit to go to him when he does win, right? And and it seems somebody made this point very well that, you know, with the issues that Kyle Shanahan has had down the stretch in, in late game situations, and the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo also has a little bit of a um a tight sphincter, to put it the least, in the fourth <laughs> quarter, just because we saw the mistakes he made as well. I mean, he basically, you know, hiked the ball without having his offensive lineman set. I mean, that caused a massive issue late in that game against the Dallas Cowboys. I wonder if those two combined is a very, very, very bad combination. It seems like both those guys seem to get a little squirmy down the stretch and having them on the same sideline is detrimental to the 49th chance of winning and making deep, making deep playoff runs. Now, hopefully, when Trey Lance comes into the picture, he's a rookie, so I don't know how much poise he has, and we'll see that. But I wonder if Trey Lance is a little bit more... Uh, a little more clutch player than Jimmy G is, and maybe that can off balance and set some of the issues that Kyle Shanahan has deepened has uh, in those games. 
for sure. And I, oh God, it's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a bloodbath, dude. If if uh, rookie oh, Trey yeah. Lance is mm-hmm. barely, bad. They, bad. they didn't even take they, they they took the packages away. Like they were working him mm-hmm. in with some packages in the red zone and whatnot. And then he had that one start that was just horrid. I think it was against the Cardinals, but I mean, man, like you really have to. Th- if you're the owner of the 49ers, then you look at like some of the, the, the trades that went down where you trade your, your assets to move up to number two, number three, you, you, you number three, rather you, you take Trey Lance when everyone, their brother was saying like, Oh, we're going to take like Mac Jones. Like you, you really have to think like, what is the long-term plan? If you're taking a quarterback that high and you're not even going to like get him game time reps unless jimmy g aka mr glass you know falls apart down the stretch i i don't know man like there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered uh by the san francisco 49ers and you know i i think they even gave these guys a contract extension a couple of years ago so like i don't know how easy it is to move off of john lynch and kyle shanahan um but i i i i can't do the turtling up and 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 just not I, I i don't even have words jay like i'm just so over i'm so over kyle shanahan and like it, it's it, it's just so it's just so nuts i i, I can't i can't I'm, I'm i'm speechless a dude that likes to talk has run out of words to describe <laughs> kyle shanahan calling plays in a playoff game i i can't do it anymore well listen at the end of the day like let's say you know trey lance is a starter and the 49ers have the perfect game. They run the hell out of the ball. And Joey Bosa's causing havoc on Aaron Rodgers. And Fred Warner has a pick six. The quarterback position and where Aaron Rodgers is and how he's playing it, it's going to equalize all that. Like, it's not even going to be close, even if the 49ers play a perfect game. And this is where Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I have come around to him on this. If he is playing and he's healthy, which is a very small amount when he does get out on the field, he does play well. I mean, he had some throws against that Rams game a couple of weeks ago, the last Rams game to get into playoffs where they're down 17 points. He made some spectacular throws where I'm like, man, if he can just replicate that on a consistent basis and not sit out games when the wind isn't favoring his direction, which it seems like he does, he he could be a really good quarterback. But Trey Lance, if he's starting Saturday night, uh, mark it up. Uh, the Packers are in the NFC Championship game, which kind of sucks because, you know, uh, you know how much disdain I have for Aaron Rodgers. <coughs> oh, the prima donna? Come on. I thought you loved A-Rod. <laughs> Well, let's move on to a quarterback that I love. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are welcoming the Los Angeles Rams into Tampa Bay. Uh, it is going to be the divisional matchup, the 3.30 game on Sunday. Puma, this game I'm super excited for, man. This is the game of the week for me. It was between this and the Bills and the Chiefs, but I just leaned here because obviously I love me some Tom Brady. Um, but uh, let me start with you, Puma. Who do you got win this game? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go kind of against the grain here. I'm I'm gonna go with the Rams. I think it's gonna be close. It's definitely gonna be within a three you know, three point spread. That's what the market's setting it at right now on DraftKings. Buccaneers are favored by three points at home, Raymond James Stadium. Um, but it's just you look at the defense, they seem to have really been clicking. They absolutely neutered the Arizona Cardinals last night. And you know, Kyler Murray looked like me. Uh, in math class when I got called for homework. Uh, the team did not look prepared. Uh, Vaughn Miller seems to be getting into the groove of things and making key, you know, clutch plays down the stretch. Odell's, fit, you know, actually fitting into the offense here. Um, I saw a stat that during his 
brief tenure uh, with the the Rams so far. He has six touchdowns during his entire tenure with the uh, Cleveland Browns. He has six total touchdowns, and I, he threw for a forty yard bomb. They're finding different ways to work him in the offense. Cam Akers, considering the AC the uh, the Achilles injury that he had, like mad props to him in the recovery and to the the uh, the medical staff for the Rams getting this dude ready to play because he was running. He looked pretty crisp. The only thing that gives me pause, Jay, is the one thing that this defense for the Buccaneers is really good at is stopping the run. And you look at the box score. If you were just looking at the box score last night and you see, all right, the Rams 34 to 11 took the Ram- took the Cardinals to the woodshed. Matt Stafford only threw the ball 17 times. Like he's going to have to throw a lot more. Uh, because I think they're going to uh, they're going to shut down the the Rams run attack, so they're going to have to get a little bit more dynamic through the air. And with that being said, we've seen Matthew Stafford short circuit from time to time and have multiple pick games. Um, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Rams. It's a lean. I don't really feel that confident about it, but that's where I'm at. I I, I kind of like the defensive side of the football a little bit more for the Rams compared to the, the Buccaneers right now. Well, Puma, you know how I always like to describe myself as a man of integrity, right? Um, cloaked in integrity over here. Um, I wish more than anything that I can pick the Buccaneers here to win this game. I wish I no could ride my boy Tom Brady. But objectively speaking, man, I, I just can't see the Buccaneers being this Rams team. They, they've been through so much this year, so many injuries. Like, this past weekend against the Eagles, the Buccaneers didn't have A.B., Godwin, Rojo, Leonard Fournette, which was 49% of their offense. 50% of their offense basically this past weekend did not play. And obviously they won because the Eagles are just that bad. But the play, the starting wide receiver group for Tom Brady was Mike Evans, sure, Scotty Miller, Brashard Perryman, Tyler Johnson, and that was the starting wide receivers. I mean, like, and then Le'Veon Bell is a running back, and Keyshawn Vaughn, a second-year player out of um, Vanderbilt, is a running back group. So there, there's just so much there that the the Buccaneers have lost that I think that Rams defense is gonna have all, uh, a field day with Tom Brady, just because Aaron Donald is it possesses those certain set of skills that you know, impact Tom Brady the most. Because Tom Brady isn't a very mobile quarterback and because Aaron Donald plays inside, Aaron Donald's going to push Ryan Jensen right into Tom Brady, which he did week three when the uh, when the Buccaneers went out, to Ram- went out to L.A. to play the Rams and they lost. Same thing's going to happen. They're going to move Brady off his spot. He's going to battle, and I never count Tom Brady out. Um, you know, obviously something crazy can happen and he can, he can win this game for them. But at the moment, objectively speaking, I just don't see a path to victory for the Buccaneers, man. On the other side... The Bucks defense is starting to show some signs. Um, they're starting to get some players back healthy. And the best path of victory I can see for the Buccaneers is if, if Matthew Stafford has a complete meltdown, throws like two or three picks, and the Buccaneers defense comes up big. Um, but unless that happens, then I don't think the Buccaneers are gonna uh, are gonna win this game. And it's sad, and it sucks to say that because I mean I'm I'm on this train with the with Tom Brady. Um, but I can take sauce in the fact that Tom Brady has already won a Super Bowl and has already gone farther this year in the playoffs than Bella Fraud. So that's two Brady, zero Bella Fraud. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jay, real quick, do we know if Tristan Wirfs is gonna make it? 
Is he going to play so we, this week? We don't know. Uh, it's going to be a game-time decision, both him and Ryan Jensen, and that's another thing we even talk about. Tristan Wirth, they're all pro-tackle. The guy that has missed no snaps at all this year uh, before the Eagles game was a, a solid, you know, foundational piece on the right side of the offensive line for Tom Brady. He got hurt. He went out. It looked very severe. And then somehow, and this is where Bruce Aaron sometimes just rubs in the wrong way, somehow he talked his way, Tristan Wirth back onto the field. And immediately when he came back on the field, he got bull rushed and Tom Brady went down for a sack. Like, those kind of things you've got to save the player from. If he's on one leg, you can't have Tristan Wirfs out there. But, you know, basically to answer your question, Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen are both going to be game-time decisions. I think Ryan Jensen is going to play. I think Tristan Wirfs probably won't play. It seems like it's, it's, a, it's a high ankle sprain issue. Um, it seems like something he's going to try to battle through, but one wrong tweak of it, and he'll be out of it. If he does somehow get out on the field, he's probably going to last, I would say, like two or three drives, and he's probably going to go out again. Mm-hmm. The key, though, here is Leonard Fournette. If Leonard Fournette plays and Ronald Jones somehow plays, that's going to be massive because right now Brady's running the ball with Keyshawn Vaughn and Leonard Fournette. Um, uh, what the, what's, his, what's the guy's name? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell looks slow and old, man. Like the ghost of Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, realistically, Brady, he's got Gronk and he's got Mike Evans and that's it. And, and I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that's enough against a really good Rams team. It was good enough 10 years ago when Brady was 34 and he was carrying the likes of Julian Edelman and Gronk to Super Bowls. But that was a long time ago. You can't ask a 44-year-old quarterback, regardless of who it is, even if it is Tom Brady, to do all that against a really good Rams team. And the guy that I've been harping on quite a bit on the Rams defense is Von Miller. He's trying to show up. He's not going to be there down in and down out like he was eight years ago for the Broncos. But he's you're going to see him pop. You're going to see him flash. He's going to make a player to this game that's probably going to swing the game somewhere. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not looking forward to it. But, like I said, Brady 2, Belichick 0. <laughs> For those of you guys watching the scoreboard. Oh, we all are. Who isn't watching the scoreboard? The whole world is, except for those fans that pretend the scoreboard doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the final game uh, of the uh, of the uh, divisional, car, divisional, car, uh, I'm sorry, divisional round weekend. Uh, the game of the week. The Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Puma, I think I know where you're leaning. I think you're going to lean here with the Bills, right? Uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with the Bills. Um, th- this team, they've been firing at all cylinders. They were, you know, inconsistent, you know, the entire regular season. Argument could be made. Maybe they're just playing down the competition. But, you know, after after that loss and the, the hurricane force wins up in Buffalo where Mac Jones only threw the ball three times, and really up until halftime of the Buccaneers game, uh, they've really rounded the corner. They've been on an absolute tear. There's a semblance of a run game with Devin Singletary. Um, I think that's definitely going to continue. But Josh Allen, dude, like he's he's such a goddamn stud. Like he can do it all, dude. Talk about he runs it. like Talk about he it, runs Puma. like a horse. He's got a Howard serve an arm. He's accurate. He can he can stretch the field at any any time. Um, you know, there was a play, you know, I, Jay, I know you know what I'm talking about in the first quarter. I think it was the first drive where uh, it was a touchdown to Dawson Knox, but he clearly looked like he was trying to throw the ball away. But Dawson Knox like climbed the ladder and just got the football and came down with the touchdown. Mm-hmm. So like every mm-hmm. everything is coming up aces for this offense. And it, it really comes from the quarterback. And I've been high on Josh Allen for, you know, essentially since he came in the league. You, you saw it. Potential. And 
he's he's been that type of dude and in my opinion i think i think he's worked his way up into the elite category now these guys did play i believe it was week four we all know what the uh, the kansas city chiefs look like at that point of the season in my opinion this is a whole clean slate because the kansas city chiefs defense has definitely rounded a corner since the last time they played you know patrick mahomes doesn't look so much of a lost boy anymore uh, Travis Kelsey's getting his Tyree kill got his even danced with some pom-poms against, you know, geriatric bed and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, last Sunday night in prime time. Uh, but I'm, I'm rolling with the bills. The point spread is actually just dropped. It was at two. It's gone down to bills plus one and a half on the road against Arrowhead. Um, I'm going with the bills in this game, obviously. And uh, I, I'm, I'm all here for, for the Josh Allen takes of everyone trying to, you know, eat crow, except for that one guy who's uh, a low rent, poor man's Max Kellerman. And that one person is uh, Greg Bedard of uh, what was it? Boston sports reporting or whatever, whatever his site's called. Uh, what, what a clown, but no, I'm here. For, I'm here for Josh Allen and the bills. Let's uh, let's go Buffalo. Yeah, uh, the the poor man's Max Kellerman. I'm not even gonna say his full name because I have that little respect for for him. But he uh, he he still is one of the few people on the planet left that isn't giving Josh Allen his props. Um, it's it's unbelievable what he's been doing, Puma. And I made this argument to you the other day. I think talent wise, I think he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. In totality, you know, when you put together Andy Reid's play calling, Tyree Kale, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes obviously comes out as a better quarterback, but just pure talent, the fact that he's a five-story building that can run like he runs, that he was outrunning Jawan Bentley the other day, he was, Matt Judon looked like he was lost trying to catch up to Josh Allen, he has a cannon of an arm, I mean, he flicks it and goes 70 yards downfield. Um, I, I think at this moment with how he's playing and the fact that this is something that Patrick Mahomes hasn't even done. Patrick Mahomes has gotten stumped by a Belichick defense before. I've never seen somebody absolutely dismantle Bill Belichick and his defense. Over the past four games, he's he's won three of them and lost one. And the one that he lost is obviously in a freaking hail in a freaking windstorm. Like the only way that you can stop Tom Brady, I'm sorry, Josh Allen is is if you have a tornado. You know what I'm saying? Um, but in those four games, he's thrown for 12 touchdowns against the Belichick defense, zero turnovers, two perfect back-to-back games. I'm just stunned. I'm just absolutely stunned at what's happening. And because of that, I'm gonna take the Bills to win here as well, Puma. I think this is something special happening in Buffalo. I think they've they've basically geared their whole offseason to build a team to beat the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and it did early on this year. And I think the X factor is going to come down to Josh Allen's running ability. Yes, I understand Patrick Mahomes can run as well, but Josh Allen is different. He can bulldoze he somebody. He runs like a horse. Yeah, he can bulldoze somebody. He's He's faster than Matt Holmes. He can jump over somebody. Whatever he needs to do to gain those yards, he's going to break off 20, 25, 30-yard chunks at a time, moving the ball downfield. And when you have Stephon Diggs rolling as well, I, I think I think there's something special with this defense as well for the Buffalo Bills. I, I think they, they've taken it personally, especially some of the comments being made after that first Patriots loss about being embarrassed. 
a hide. You know, he made a great play against uh, Mac Jones on Saturday night. So I think this defense is going to come to play as well. And I think they're going to make it personal and try to shut down Patrick Mahomes. So give me the Bills, man. This this is going to be an absolute shootout. It's going to be an epic game. This could be one of those games where like 10 years from now, I can be like, dude, you remember that game where Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes went head to head? and It was an instant classic. I've, I've got this kind of vibe going into it. Yep, for sure. It's going to be Clash of the Titans right here. Heavyweight bout, ding, ding, ring that bell, prime time. Bro, I'm, I'm all here for it. And, and Jay, I got I to gotta ask you this question because we were talking about it offline. I, I want to get your thoughts first. Like, do you th- do you think Allen is now in the elite category? Like, Absolutely. I know you said, like, talent-wise, like, he's there with Mahomes, but, Absolutely. like, totality with the, with the awards and the accolades – you know, he kind of falls behind because Mahomes does have that Super Bowl. But is he in the elite category of the Mahomeses, of the Bradys and the Rodgers and the uh, and uh, and the Russell Wilsons? 100% absolutely. It goes Brady for me because he's the GOAT. Uh, close second is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then third and fourth, that's where Mahomes and Allen kind of, you know, duke it out. Um, let's say the Bills go on this magical run and they win the Super Bowl this year. I would move Josh Allen ahead of Patrick Mahomes because at that point, both of them have won Super Bowl rings. I mean, that that's basically what you play the game for at the end of the day is Super Bowl wins. And if you can come to me and say, hey, you got these two quarterbacks, both of them won a Super Bowl, but one guy seems to be more talent, talented physically um, and he's putting up some insane numbers as well, give me Josh Allen. I would happily move Josh Allen in front of Patrick Mahomes um, if uh, if he was able to win a Super Bowl this year. I mean, the the guy, I mean, I don't know how much more stuff we can say about it. Listen, it's, I think it's important, uh, whoever it is that tries to talk about sports, to be objective. I mean, that's something we've got to do, right? And I was the biggest of haters on Josh Allen. Puma, before, you know, you've known me for quite a bit, and I just didn't see it. I saw him have an abysmal first year, had a pretty, I would say, rough second year as well because I still remember to this day how he melted down against the Houston Texans. We were watching this game together, remember? And he had that Mm -hmm. look on his face. But I've got to give him his credit. He's turned all of that around the last two years. He he's he was an MVP candidate last year. He's balling out at a different level this year as well. And I think that the, the craziest thing Puma is, he's not just balling out on the field, but he's under, understanding the game between the ears as well now. Mentally, he's going toe-to-toe with Belichick and embarrassing Belichick. Like, let that sink in for a second. He's embarrassing Belichick every single time he's playing him. When's the last time you can say that about a quarterback? The answer is none. Never. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, I, I've been on the spam wagon for forever. And, and Jay, like, listen, I don't want to take anything away from Stefan Diggs. And I don't need Bill's Mafia coming after me, but hear me out. I think it was after it was the offseason, after the, the meltdown in Houston, right? Where they made that signing and they got Cole Beasley. And I swear to God, I we texted, I told you straight up, Cole Beasley, that signing is going to make Josh Allen a more complete quarterback. And I'm not saying like Brian Dayball didn't have a hand in this. I'm not saying that Jordan Palmer didn't have a, a say in this. You know, Josh busted his ass to get to where he is right now. But what I mean by getting Cole Beasley is Cole Beasley was essentially the safety valve before Stefan Diggs got there and stretched the field, right? So before, if the play if the play wasn't there, Josh was just going to force the ball downfield. And if he threw it in a double coverage, damn the torpedoes. It's either going to go into his guy's hands or it's going to be a back-breaking interception. But by having Cole Beasley there, 
he was able to take the underneath stuff and move the chains and keep the offense in tempo. And for me, that is when Josh Allen really rounded the corner and started on this incredible career arc and tear to be where he is at today. So listen, no shade against Stefan Diggs, no shade against anybody in Buffalo, not taking away any credit for Josh busting his ass, but he really started around that corner by taking the underneath stuff with Cole Beasley. And I, I love it. And seeing that development from year one to now, bro, I'm all here for it, man. He's up. He's definitely up in that upper echelon. Um, I'm all here for it. Oh, he's a great story, man. He's a great story. And, and I, I'm, I being a Patriots fan is, am envious. Uh, I mean, I look at him, I, I see the talent that he has. Um, I, I wish he was my quarterback, truthfully. He's just been spoken, and that's, man. And Jay, I'm glad you said that you said that because all those people out there that are just so like they're they're gonna die on that hill. Like low rent Max Kellerman or some of the other, you know, sicker fans like you like you know, like you say, or other people buying into the propaganda coming out of Foxborough. Any other if if Josh Allen was on the New England Patriots, you wouldn't hear a goddamn peep out of anybody, man. Like I'm, I don't want to hear this shit of how Josh Allen's not a franchise guy. He can't lead. He can't lead. He's gonna wilt away in the playoffs. No, uh, shut up. Like you can sell that. You can sell that to somebody else, man. Like if he was on the New England Patriots, nobody would be, be bitching or complaining. Puma, like I, this is getting no play at all. But he dismantled Belichick back to back. <laughs> like, do we not understand how insane that is? He, he's four and one against Belichick the last two years because Belichick lost Tom Brady, and obviously at that point it was more on his defensive skills and his defensive scheming that goes into these game plans against Josh, Josh Allen. And he's four and one, and he's getting better every single time he's playing him. He, he's making him look foolish. Like Peyton Manning never did that. Patrick Mahomes never did that to Belichick. Like all the great quarterbacks that Belichick has coached again in his fifty years of coaching have never dismantled him as bad as Josh Allen. Has. Like I, what more do you want? Are you just that butthurt that you can't admit that? Then that's a problem on you, then, man. Yep, yeah. Clearly, some people are, and I, I can't wait to, you know, assuming everything comes up bases and Buffalo handles their business. I, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait for oh, can. to, to to see what some of those people have to say on Tuesday, specifically on Felger and Baz of. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh Allen did this. Now what do you got to say? <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I love Felger so much. Like, they, they they don't let anything slide. A lot of times, like, you know, talk shows try to be nice about it, and they just want to get the airtime out there, and they want to go home. I, I just feel like Felger goes in there every day just trying to pick a fight with Hard somebody. Hard paint. Heart of the paint. And, and, and I was having a great time watching, uh, watching him go at... Uh, the low rent Max Kellerman today, so I I, I can't wait for that. It's gonna be so good. But you know what? I can, also can't wait for Puma. Mm. I can't wait for next year to go to a home game up in Buffalo with you, man. We went there yes. two years ago before COVID. We went to go watch the Washington Football Team take on the Buffalo Bills. Um, but I think this upcoming year they got some good games up there, Puma. They got the Packers, they got the Vikings, they got the the Browns, the Steelers, the Titans, the Jets. The Dolphins and the Patriots. I mean, one of those games. We gotta make it up there, man. Yep, we're gonna drag, we're gonna drag Tara up to Buffalo. We gotta we gotta coordinate it with Lindsay and, and Alex. Yes. We gotta we gotta we gotta tailgate with them again. Yes, but, uh, yes. No. Let's do that. I'm we gonna will... 
I'm gonna bring. Uh, I'm not gonna jump through a table, but you know how those babies go through the small tables. I'm gonna bring one of those small tables and just like step on it, just to be part of it. You know. <laughs> Love it. Yes, bring two because I'm you, too old to jump through tables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll just we'll just bring like those small like you know tables that we can just kind of walk over. I'm like, oh, we did it. <laughs> yep, we're part of the mafia. Let's go. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm totally here for it. I'll just I'll, I'll just like throw Tara in the car. Just get in the car. Don't Tara, ask questions. This time, Tara cannot. Take a rain check like she did last time. She has to come this nope. time. No rain checks allowed. Nope, 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 nope. Sounds good. Cool, cool. What's the point? We're at eighty minutes, man. We've just been rambling on for eighty minutes. Do you want to? Do you want to? You want to get to anything else, or are we gonna call it? A I day? mean, really, all I got just for quick betting purposes here. If I'm betting this weekend, what I'm looking at, I'm looking at Bengals plus three and a half. I think they're gonna they're gonna pull off that win against the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'm gonna take the Bills plus one and a half. But right now, if you bet on DraftKings. The Bills are essentially even money on the money line, plus 100. With the spread that tight, I might as well just sprinkle some money on the Bills' money line, get that even money going for me. So that's what I'm looking at. Bengals plus 3.5, Bills plus 1.5, and, and Bills' money line. Okay, okay. Uh, it sucks that I live in a state that doesn't have online betting and, and I can't drive to the next closest state because it's like two hours away, but... I really want to. Everyone put some money down on these games, Puma. Like I gotta find a way around this. I can't. I can't wait till March, man. My my brother ended up making that DraftKings account, and they somehow charged him, but they didn't put the money in his account. So he had to call them and like work through a whole issue, and they're gonna refund the money back to him. But I think if I had to guess, it was something to do with like a seven day verification period, where like oh, it charges yes. it, then it holds it, then it verifies yep. it. So I, I, he never got to put his bets in, but I, I can't wait for legalized gambling to come to Ohio because, you know, I'm all about that parlay for life. P4L. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to plug this up. We're going to get the hell out of here. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube after the maestro, the Captain Jay Chima slices and dices the sections up, be sure to go to our page, subscribe, uh, get, hit that little bell notification. Whenever a new video drops in the feed, you'll be notified and you'll be able to get that quick hit. Those eight minute videos of our hot takes and our breakdowns of the storylines. Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe. Leave a five star review. Helps with the exposure with the people out in Palo Alto with the algorithms and the abacuses moving dices and, and, and numbers around to get the, you know, the exposure out there. Social media wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter machine at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. And before we uh, log off, Jay, I just got to do a shout out to our boy, mm-hmm. Freddie, Freddie Soliotis, mm-hmm. Hercules 2424. You want to know why I'm doing a shout out, Jay? And it's rich. not involving he, him being fired. He is rich. So our boy, Freddie Soliotis, a.k.a. Hercules 2424, did one of those DraftKings, you know, Sunday night special type of deals where our boy, because of that, uh, that, uh, that James Washington touchdown in the, uh, the Pittsburgh game against the Kansas City Chiefs, walked away with a cool $122,000. So mad props to our boy, Freddie Hercules 24-24. Love you, dude. I'm not going to hit you with a, you're fired because you're rolling in all that dough like, uh, like uh, you know, Donald Duck. 
when he jumps in the pile of coins uh, in those Disney specials. So mad props. Proud of you. Love you. Can't wait to see what you do this weekend with the divisional slate. Freddie, congratulations, sir. I said this to you via Instagram the other day, man, but I'm happy for you, man. You're a good dude. You deserve it. And we just props to you, man. Congratulations, man. Yeah. All right. Well, other than that, anything else before we head out of here? Now let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. Peace out. Fire con Diego.